Welcome to the Break New Ground podcast. My name is Luis Prado, aka B-Boyle Prod, and today we have an extra special guest with me today. Um, this is someone who I believe is very, very important. And uh, without this person, I don't think we would have Break NG. Um, a few months ago, I would say even the beginning of the year, uh, I had an idea and I wasn't sure if I wanted to execute it. And uh, with this person, I uh, was able to find the confidence to make it happen. So she gave me that last push. And uh, without any further ado, I would like to introduce Jacqueline Colligan of Brick House to the Break New Ground podcast. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. I am like so flattered that you would say that. And yeah, I'm blushing. Um, so this has been like a very crazy ride up to this point. I wasn't even sure that I would make it two, three episodes, four episodes, but we're here. And um, up to this point, I've had people on that inspired me to get here. And I think it would be only fair to have the person that kind of gave me that boost, that confidence to actually make this happen, because it's not easy for people to just wake up and decide to make a podcast and a, and a media IG and all this stuff. But I mean, I made it happen. And I, I really thank you for that. Um, yeah. And you, you, you are not just my friend, you're also um, my talent director, talent manager, I guess, booking manager, I think that's, that's what we agreed on. Um, and we've been working together, I guess, in Brickhouse for about a year. Mm -hmm. um, and you do a lot more than that. Uh, you have managed Brickhouse, you have had uh, a lot of experience in the uh, business industry, you, you have sales experience. Um, but I think you can describe what you do a lot better than I can. So tell me, uh, who is Jacqueline? And what do you do as an entrepreneur, as an artist, and just in general? So there's so much to it. Um, I would say to describe myself on a personal level, I'm pretty easygoing, um, kind of goofy. I'm 37 years old, but I'm definitely a kid at heart. Um, I love being creative, thinking out of the box, taking risks. Um, but at the same time in my personal life, I'm very introverted and private. If any of you guys are Myers-Briggs fans, I'm an INFJ. So a little socially awkward. Um, and on a business front, uh, there's so many hats that I wear from going to networking events, being the face of the brand, running the team, uh, creating content, choreographing, wardrobe styling. I mean, there's so much that goes into running this business. Um, and th that's crazy because what you have, I would say, is one of a kind right now in San Diego. Not a lot of people can say that they have like a successful gig booking company. And it's not like a dance team. It's not like we compete. We don't go out and battle. And it's not like we have our own studio and like people try out to be on Brickhouse. It's very unique in the sense that we go out, we provide quality performances, and we practice together. We, we do like media. Um, we're kind of everywhere. And I think like having some like a, a multifaceted company like that, I think is really fascinating. And what, like, how did you wake up one day and just decide to do Brick House? What motivated you to, to start this project and see it through? I'll be honest, the whole experience and um, creative process was an accident. So I didn't, and I think that I was lucky and that it happened by accident because I'm such a perfectionist that had I sat down one day and said, okay, I'm going to start this gig company, this entertainment company, it, it probably would have never happened because I would have had to make sure all my ducks were in a row and everything was absolutely perfect before I got started. Right. So um, so the way it started was I got back into dance at an older age, at 32, after taking a long hiatus um, post high school. 
And I realized that there wasn't a lot of opportunities to perform. Right, yeah. um, I was taking class at Culture Shock, and I love that studio. Uh, and they do an annual cabaret night. And I realized that outside of cabaret night, uh, which is essentially like a recital, there wasn't many there weren't many opportunities for um, people to perform and express themselves and have fun with dance um, on a performance level. Right. So I decided to um, I started teaching. Um, uh, dance class. It was like a, a fun ladies dancing divas kind of, you know, sassy dance class for, for women. And through that, I, I gained some confidence in my creativity and choreography and did a concept video, um, which led me to think about starting a girl group. And I made some connections with some local DJs. You know, I love, I loved already going out dancing and, um, the hip hop scene in San Diego. So I connected with some local DJs and asked them if they would be interested in having my group perform at some of their club nights, right. um, which who wouldn't want that? Who doesn't right. want girls? <laughs> I mean, it's exposure, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, it, and, and I had no intention of monetizing our work. I really just wanted to get out there and, and perform and be creative and have an outlet. You know, I was working a nine to five, didn't have much um, creativity or, um, you know, any, any of that in my life. So... So yeah, so uh, long story short, we just started doing these random silly gigs. I mean, I look back and I cringe. It, this was almost three years ago now. Um, but we were doing these random gigs at Bar Pink in North Park. Shout out to DJ Artistic. Thank you so much. Um, I give a lot of credit to him for believing in us off the bat and giving us a chance to get out there. Um, so Candy Shop Dance Troupe was the name of my girl group. I couldn't even get a, a team of five together. I had no credibility. So I, I, you know, luckily Angelique and Valeria were my two girls. We were a little trio. Um, and someone in the community, uh, Lovelyn, uh, Lovelyn saw us, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of you guys know her, and her boyfriend runs an entertainment company who plans, like, corporate events, and they had an event where they needed geishas. So, you know, they're like, we need three geishas. You guys are three girls. You obviously know how to perform. Um will offer you X amount of money right. uh, to perform at this event. And, um, gosh, this is getting long. I'm sorry. No, no <laughs> it's fascinating because not a lot of people start something but, successful, and there's, a, there's always a backstory. Yeah, I mean, this is a story. I mean, yeah, and I, and I, I think it's funny because a, I've heard some critics uh, mention how we monetize dance, how we make money off dance. Right. And, um, you know, that's definitely not what my intention was when I started. It was purely to be creative. Um, but also, I mean, I, not to cut you off here, um, people criticize, but they have to understand that dance is very unlikely to be sustainable. Mm -hmm. So you can't, you can't knock it till you try it, right? So if most of the team uh, revolves their life around dance, and, and I know them all personally, and I can definitely vouch for them when I say that, like, dances all of our lives right. so for you to provide an opportunity for us to get paid to dance right. that's rare in itself and like people can criticize people can say what they need to say but i mean money. our heart our heart is there and go ahead money what right we all need money you know <laughs> yeah, like and sure. if we can get money by doing what we already do for fun and we all support the culture we all right we all do this regardless right. but if we get paid for it why not why you know not? what i mean yeah totally so um, we were just living our best lives at the time, me and my, my two girls, and 
we were doing car shows and I had no idea. I wasn't thinking marketing at all. I was just thinking what what's sexy, what's fun, what's expressive for us as females. And we were having fun going to car shows, doing these little um, gigs. And I had paid a choreographer from L.A. Her name is Bryn Nicole. absolutely love her. Um, and she teaches a heels class but also had a side business called Glamfidence where she would – do your hair and makeup, put you in front of the camera, wardrobe style you. Um, and yeah, I dropped $1,700 out of my own pocket um, for her to come down and dress and style and everything like our team. And the crazy thing is that same day that I was sitting in the chair having my makeup done by her is when I got a text saying, uh, will you guys perform at a nonprofit charity event as geishas and we'll pay you $1,700. It was the exact amount. And I thought, this is a weird... That's not a coincidence. No, That's it was very right straight. Yeah. I had this. I had chills. I was like, I am sitting here creating anyway. I am paying out of my own pocket. You know, some people pay to travel. Some people pay to play sports or whatever. They're ho- this was my hobby. I was having fun with it. Yeah. Um, and now someone's offering to give that money right back to me. Right. You're um, best. Totally. Yeah. So at that point... Um, uh, a bell went off and I was working. I, I have a 12 year career in sales and events and event planning. And I thought, okay, I'm, I'm always on the other side planning the events. Now I have an opportunity to be on the side of the vendor side. Right. I've worked, I worked with DJs and, you know, caterers and florists. And, and now I thought, okay, maybe I could create a market where I'm the vendor and providing entertainment. Right. And it kind of started from there. So it was an accident, <laughs> essentially, is what I'm trying it to say. It all comes back to the accident, right? Right. Um, however, it's no accident that there's success. Like, it could have been an accident and it could have just flopped. And you could have, like, stopped doing this a long time ago. You could have still been doing your 9 to 5. But wow. everything fell in the right place. And, like, all the dominoes just kind of hit. And now you are where you are. Um, did you ever have any doubts along the way? Like, as you were doing this, were you like, well, should I do this? Should I continue pushing for this? Um, did you ever feel like maybe this wasn't the right thing for you to do? Luis, I doubt myself every day, every week. I mean, this is a part of it. Right. Part of putting yourself out on a limb is dealing with um, all these gremlins that get into your head, you right. know, yeah. like you have to be perfect. Who are you to even do this? You know, I, I struggle with imposter syndrome, wondering why me, or how do I get to, to live this life? And am I really deserving of this? Um, yeah. yeah, So I definitely had doubts in terms of, um, you know, where could this go? Is this something just like you said, sustainable? Can I live off of this? Is this practical? I mean, I, I had work, I've been working full time since I was 19 in nine to five jobs. I didn't go to college. I didn't get a degree. I always thought that I was super grateful to even be making, you know, over 40 grand a year, let alone making six figures a year, which is where I was at the time that I left my career. Um, so of course I had doubt and I, and I made this agreement at one time and said, you know what, some people do Rodan Field, some people do, um, you know, moonlighting jobs. And Brick Houses will, will always, and I've just decided it will always just be a little moonlighting gig. It's not ever going to be a full-time thing. Everyone calm down. I'm not as crazy as you think I am. Like, right. this is just a little side hustle. Um, now it's my full-time job. Ooh. That's, I mean, that feels like it, it would be really scary. Like, me personally, I mean, even when you mentioned, like, 
doubts and imposter syndrome and all that stuff. Like in the same way, I, I kind of feel that with break NG and like, who am I to be putting people in a spotlight, right? I like, love seeing you out there though. It's awesome. I mean, people don't understand or maybe they do, but the courage that it takes to say, I have an idea, I'm putting it on paper, judge me. Right. Here it is. Here it is. Take it, leave it, love it. Like that takes so much guts. And I know from personal experience. So to see you doing it, like I'm, I'm so proud of you and I love, Thank you. Thank you. totally support this. This is awesome. And it's crazy too, because I mean, it's really weird hearing your own voice and having to hear it like for four hours whenever I'm editing a podcast is like, I get kind of insecure, but ultimately I'm like, like, this is not about me. This is not about how I feel. I'd rather suck it up, you know, and put these artists where I feel like they could grow. And so far, it's been really successful. And, and a lot of people have enjoyed this podcast and, and the Instagram, which has its own media going for it. Um, so I, I definitely resonate with you on that, like on that self-doubt. But in the same way, like we kind of powered through it. And so far, I don't think either of us can say that we've regretted it, you know? No. Um, you also kind of have this weird role where in a way you're putting dancers like you're putting them on you know like I love it <laughs> it's it's a power that you have you know you're you're it's very powerful to be like like I think this dancer is talented here's $500 you know show show yourself do something right. you know live your best life exactly <laughs> and um like how do you feel about being such an integral part about of these dancers career obviously you you haven't like people dance and they will make it regardless if they put enough work but you're giving them a stepping stone to get right. there how, how does that feel like at the end of the day you're affecting so many people's lives it's the best part of my job I mean more than the paycheck and I mean that from my heart I get so much reward and gratitude from seeing my team shine I mean they give me so much life. Um, so it's an incredible feeling. And like you said, I, I can only do so much. And I I know that I am just one piece of the puzzle for their career and, and their journey as dancers. Um, but I love, like, you know, we did a music video this weekend, um, getting the girls all, all dressed and making them confident and sexy and empowered in front of the camera, um, seeing them love what I, the outfits that I pick out, what I put them in, living in the choreography. Um, it's the most rewarding feeling. It, and it, it provides a lot of healing for me to see them um, shining, for sure. That's very selfless of you. And I don't think anybody can just do that, you know, because takes a lot to be behind the scenes, mm -hmm. especially when like your whole company as a whole is succeeding to take that step back and be like, this isn't about me. Like, oh, yeah. this is about all my dancers. And in the same way, they helped you get to where you are totally. without the team. I don't think you would be a gig company, you know. Right. Um, but at some point you were a dancer, too. Yes. You had to be in the <laughs> trenches. You had to be out doing dancing. And um, sometimes you didn't get paid for it. You didn't have that luxury. So how, did, how was that transition? How did you go from being on stage with facials, having to be on point with the choreography to being behind the scenes and choreographing for us and kind of not micromanaging, but definitely managing us to the point where like you're depending on us to execute and you don't have yeah. any control on that. It is a crazy experience. I'm glad that you realized that. It, I learned so much taking a back seat. Um, I think that I'm constantly in tune with my ego, where I am with that, um, making sure I don't let that get in the way. And 
my business is my baby and I have to listen to it. And if it tells me that I need to take the back seat and not be in the spotlight to succeed and to make sure everyone else succeeds, I'm happy to do that. Um, so it, it's an, it's been awesome for me to get to this place where I can be behind the scenes because it is so stressful preparing for a performance, um, you know, a paid performance where your client's going to be judging you and rating you at the end. Um, we do get online reviews and, you know, managing everything from the back, back end and then having to be on stage and smile and right, be this yeah. other complete, get in a completely different part of your headspace. I mean, that was so draining. So to be able to take a back seat and let, and just encourage my team, but, but it is a lot of anxiety to watch the team and just pray and have faith in them. And I do trust. And as time goes on, I know that they're going to kill it, but I, I shake, you know, I watch the team dance on stage and I shake as if I'm the one dancing. I'm a total stage mom. Um, and in my own weird way. So, but it's awesome. It's, it all lives together, like yeah, the reward and the fear and the anxiety and the passion and the excitement. It's all just one dysfunctional family in my mind all the time. <laughs> it's an emotional roller coaster for sure. And even, I mean, I haven't been on the team that long, but like even being on stage, it feels like, uh, like I have to do well, you know, because like not only am I getting paid for it, like I'm representing a, a bigger whole, like I'm just one part of the big pie. Um, and, and it's been up to this point, I think all the gigs that I've been on have been successful. I don't think we've gotten negative. They've reviews. all been successful. Right. Yeah. That's um, exciting. <laughs> so I can't really like say that we're doing a bad job. Right. Um, so now looking at Brickhouse in the context of like present time, um, how far do you want to take this? Like what's your ideal gig, I guess, like that you would want to have or what's your vision for the future in terms of this company? So... I would say, you know, fame and, um, you know, a social media presence, all those things are not important to me. Even the paycheck is not that important to me. If I never clear over 40 grand a year in this business, I'm completely fine with it. Um, I, as long as I'm making enough to live, I'm happy to do this work. So as far as my goal is creating a stronger brand awareness. In terms of marketing, I feel that if you look at a scale of 100%, I feel that I'm only at 20% in terms of penetrating the market, right. having that visibility, um, letting uh, corporate event planners and um, you know agencies know that we're here. Yeah. Uh, so I just want to keep diving deeper. I mean, we are getting and the opportunity to work some, with some incredible brands, but that is a process. You have right, yeah. It all keeps stacking. So I'd like to get to a point where we can solely survive off amazingly paid corporate gigs yeah. um, and kind of do away with, not that, not that, <laughs> not to discredit them, but do away with some of these birthdays and mitzvahs and filler right. gigs yeah. that are fun and, you know, if the clients are great, why not? But um, I would rather manage two gigs a month that are high stress, high paid than 10 little baby gigs all over the place. That's a lot right. of work. Definitely. So I, I think that that's I want the events industry when they think of entertainment, high quality entertainment. We are the first brand that comes to mind and to have that solid foundation and that name in the community. Yeah. yeah, it's definitely quality versus quantity in that regard. Totally. And at some point, like I you mentioned it before you did have to do like a quantity of gigs in order to make it seem sustainable i guess but as you get bigger you definitely have to shoot your shot higher 
Right. Um, and I think we're getting there. We're getting to that point. We've worked with a lot of big brands and it's been surprising up to this point. I, <laughs> I can't say that I ever imagined myself being in the shoes that I am right now. But I think that's just a testament to your success as a manager. Um, this is totally, I guess, off script. But when you're, I guess, shooting your or someone messages you to book you for a gig or book the team, um, how do you feel about like giving them a price? Do you ever feel nervous like you're maybe overpricing yourself? All the time. Yeah. So how does how does it feel when you shoot like a certain price at someone and they don't accept it? So as you mentioned before, we're kind of in our own boat in terms right. of having this type of industry and this type of business, which makes my job really hard because I have no one to compare it to. Right, you right. know, if I was a DJ and there was all these other DJs, I know what DJs charge. We all know what they charge, right. but my clients don't even know what to expect with quotes because we are one of a kind service. Right. Um, so the worst thing that happens is when I throw out a figure and they say yes right away. Mm. I always know that I went too low. Like if I'm saying, okay, it's, you know, and don't quote me this, these are not our prices. Okay. Right, right, right. But we'll just, we'll just say $50. <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, we charge a lot more than that. Yeah. But if I tell a client, okay, it's 50 bucks. I'm like, perfect. I'm like, oh man, yeah. I should have said 200. I, I want the client to come back and say it's too much. I want the client to come back and say, you know, it's a little out of my range. I was thinking more of this. Then I know, okay, I didn't shoot, I didn't like shoot myself in the foot or undercut our business. Um, so it, it's, uh, it's difficult and it's no, I mean, I might sell the same exact package or the same thing, like a 10 minute show at a $2,000 different price point. Essentially my job is to get the most amount of money I can for everyone involved so it's it's a lot of pressure but i love it <laughs> i mean it's ultimately a business and where there's highs there will be lows and when right. there's opportunities there's obviously times when the door will just be shut um but i think it's funny when you mention like shooting too low and then they just accept it and you're like damn well I'm, i could be worth a lot more and i'll never know because now i'm doing this for 50 bucks right. um you also just mentioned only penetrating 20 percent of the marketing of, mm-hmm. of uh for a company like this um, what are some tactics that you use to market? Because there's 80% being left on the table. So what do you think you could do better? And what do you currently do now? Okay, so again, if, if anyone's kind of curious, we really do focus on corporate events. So imagine what we do is, let's say there's an electronics convention at the convention center. So Apple's coming in, Microsoft's coming in, all these companies are coming into town. And a lot of times they'll have their own individual parties or client events and we get booked to come entertain at these private parties is essentially what we do. That's our bread and butter. Um, so where do these event planners go? Well, they usually would, if their event's at the Hyatt, they're going to go to their event planner at the Hyatt and say, excuse me, like, thanks so much for helping me plan my event. So I, I'm thinking about having some flapper girls or I want some break dancers for this 80s theme. Right. Those event planners are usually the point of referral. Okay. So when I think about how many venues are in San Diego, how many hotels are in San Diego, my goal is to make sure that every single event manager, and that was my old job, so I know who they are. I know where to find them. I know how to right. reach them. I know how they communicate. Um, and it's also a lot of HR managers who plan corporate events and parties and holiday parties. So um, – my goal is to get in front of them. And how I do that is I currently do email blasts. So 
I have a, an email list of over 500 industry people, and that's something that I took from my old career and saved for myself and now apply to my business. And to be honest, I use a lot of the marketing and sales tactics that I learned as a hospitality marketing and event manager, um, such as going to networking events, sending email blasts, doing outside sales calls. So I have a plan next month to dress up a few of my team members in full wardrobe, like whether it's disco or whatever it is, and we're going to go like literally door to door. Um, hotel to hotel with cookies and flyers and the whole nine and introduce ourselves. Um, a lot of it is um, networking and doing free. Uh, sometimes we do free marketing events uh, just to get the word out and then those turn into referrals. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot. <laughs> we literally will do sales calls. We'll call. We'll pull up the convention calendar and look at who's coming into town and do our research and Make phone calls, yeah. yeah, and say, hey, I saw that the final night of your mm -hmm. conference, you're going to do an event on the USS Midway. Can we entertain there? Right. Um, so it's a lot of work. Yeah, and this, work. this is a company that I feel exists more like through word of mouth and like website reviews and stuff like that. This is something that is not so much social media based. Yeah. And, and a big theme on this podcast up to this point has been social media presence. Like mm -hmm. um, a lot of the people that we've had before have had like a self-brand that they want to push and their go-to is always social media. Right. They don't make, you know, sales calls. They don't go out and like actually interact to try to, I guess, uh, network and, mm -hmm. and create that, that connection personally. So for you, how does social media play a big or just a role yeah. in, in, in your marketing? So because I'm not only managing the business side, but I'm also managing the dancer side, right? right yeah. So that's what I use social media for is to keep good morale on the team, make sure I'm show because the dancers love it. They love yeah. they love seeing themselves like online yeah. and like, you know, seeing engagement through their their performances and their engagement. Um, and it also helps me recruit top talent for future gigs. Mm. So I know that the dance community is watching what we do right. and I want to make sure that I'm representing us well to the point where I can increase the caliber of talent that we recruit. So that's kind of my what I use social media for is sales towards the industry to the, I'm yeah. sorry, the community and towards talent is how I use it. Yeah. Well, and, and it works too. Um, I know that I guess it legitimizes uh, my presence sometimes to see people like be like, Oh, I saw you on the brick house Instagram. That's really cool. Or they see me doing gigs and I, and I get the footage from you or from whatever. And it definitely, I guess in modern terms, like it adds clout to my name, right? But and it, and I'm sure it just doesn't work for me. It works for everybody else. Um, and that kind of is the driving point right now for up and coming talent, whether you're a dancer, a basketball player, whatever. Your social media has to be on point. Right. Um, and for you, it's not so much of a profiting tool. So you're kind of doing this out of the kindness of your heart, you know? Um, <laughs> I do it for the love. Yeah, you do yeah, it for the love. For the love of my team. That's crazy. That's so selfless. And I think the common theme up to this point has been like being very selfless in order to make your business prosper. I, I mean, I find a lot of reward in that. I just, I see people who just continually get in their own way because they have to be in the spotlight. Um, if you go to our Brickhouse Instagram, which is Brickhouse underscore dance, um, you won't see any photos of me on there or a video of me. I mean, you'll have to scroll way down to even see a photo or know who I am. Right. Um, but I kind of like that because, uh, again, it's not it's not Jacqueline Colligan Productions. It's Brickhouse Dance Productions. It's about the team and it's about 
uh, what the client provides. But I, I am considering maybe doing a little bit more in terms of showcasing who I am and kind of meet the owner type of deal. So right. we'll, we'll see what's to come, but, but yeah. Stay tuned, definitely, for some of that <laughs> stuff. Um, you manage 20-plus dancers at one time, you know? Um, and you have, as we spoke before, you have experience being a dancer yourself. How important is it for you to have a good connection personally with your dancers? Um, how, how, much, how do you value uh, how they are as a person versus how they are as a performer? I would say, how do I value them as a person versus a professional, Ooh, right? Yeah, that's even better. <laughs> yeah. I'm running a business at the end of the day, and I right. think that's where things get really tricky. Um, to first start in terms of personal relationships, I love each and every person on my team, like with all my heart, legit. Um, even if I, you know, there are going to be some dancers that I more naturally gravitate towards too in terms right. of, you know, our personalities and having fun. But if I don't, if I'm not personally in love with each person on the team, how is my client going to love them? How am I going to how am I going to feel motivated to put them in the spotlight, to have them shine, to help them prosper? Um, so I think that's when things uh, get complicated is when there's a rift between me and someone on the cast. Right. Um, I it really weighs on me because I have to feel that that love in my heart to keep pushing them forward. You know, um, so I'm constantly doing damage control. I'm constantly making sure that relationships are good and healthy and solid. Um, but, uh, you know, it does get complicated when we're going out as a team. We're having fun. I'm helping them in their personal lives, whether it's like with resumes, getting a job in their, you know, love lives. Right. I mean, I'm like big sister. Some yeah. people call me mama. Some people call me big sister. I mean, um, or friend. And then it comes down to business and I need to make sure you're on time, that right. you're showing up for your gigs, that you're representing in the best light, that, you know, you are prepared. So, you know, sometimes I have to suspend team, like suspend some of the cast or have some tough talks in terms of my expectations. But I feel that um, we're in a really good place and we're running a well-oiled machine at this point because yeah. I've, I've made it clear you know we just had our team meeting last week um and we all <laughs> we all sat down and agreed on our core values as yeah. a team and um so that that helps a lot yeah for the record i felt like that really legitimized what brick house meant to me um that made it more than just like a, oh like i do gigs and sometimes i see these people it was more like i'm a part of something and there's documents now. It's in writing. I signed something, you know. <laughs> Code of conduct. Code of conduct, yeah. Yeah. And I guess just being on the same page with everybody uh, in that regard was really cool. And just making sure that everybody was also on the same page with me and, and with you, most importantly. Because, like you said, if there's a rift, it makes it very difficult. Not only for us. I mean, I'm, not, I'm just going to speak for myself. For me as a dancer to be in that same environment. But for everything to run smoothly. Right. Because there's definitely, I feel like that necessity for everybody to be on the same page not only professionally but i guess in terms of energy and mm -hmm. not necessarily emotion but i say i think more just like uh being on that personal like same page right. like okay we're all here for the same thing we're all here that we're all here to succeed and have brick house succeed totally. um this sounds like a very high stress position 
<laughs> and um, I, I know that up to this point, we've talked entirely about Brickhouse. But I want to ask, like, what is your support system like? How do, how do you step away from the, from the chair, from the office, from the talent manager position and, I guess, de-stress, you know, and, and do your own thing? So I'll be honest. Um, it's a really lonely life. Right. And I'm, I'm not looking for pity. I, I think anyone out there who's listening to this who's also an entrepreneur um, full-time or whatever it may be, um, it's a very lonely spot. You know, it's not just lonely at the top. It's not, it's not about that. It's just that I work from home, so I don't have any coworkers here. <laughs> Amanda, I mean, Amanda is our um, assistant director and my entertainment coordinator. She comes over twice a week. Um, and then I'm always kind, kind of drawing that line between friend and director with the team so I don't hang out with them too much. Right. Um, but, you know, I'm trying to kind of be more open to exploring those friendships because I feel that now that I've made it clear what my expect, expectations are, maybe we can open up some of those doors. Um, but I would say, you know, I can't continue on without giving credit to Matt. Um, if you guys know Matt Millen, he's very much a part of the dance community. Um, he's been my boyfriend for almost five years and he is so much a part of behind the scenes, constantly giving me that um, motivation, not motivation, but support and kind of affirmation. And that, that's what I'm looking for. Um, you know, just continually checking in with me and telling me what a great job I'm doing. Um, but a lot of this at the end of the day, of the day is very personal. It's it's me supporting myself. It's me being my own best friend. It's me um, doing the work to to meditate, to do self-improvement, to make sure I'm being the best person that I can be for myself, for my business, for my team, um, constantly challenging my self-doubt. Um, so I think that, you know, you have to be your biggest support system. People come and go. Things change. Um, if you don't believe in yourself, then you're in bad shape you know right. what I mean it's yeah. nothing's gonna succeed right. um, but I I think I do a really good job of making sure I live a balanced life and um, I try to fit in as much fun as I can on a day-to-day -day basis I have a good time with my life you know I, I try not to take it too seriously I'm very much aware of, of the limited amount of time we all have here on this beautiful yeah. planet yeah. Um, and I make a mindful effort to make sure that I am in the right energy and doing what I love every day, even if it's just like having my favorite cup of coffee or tea or watching a great movie or really being specific about who I'm spending my time with um, and making sure that everything serves me in a positive way. So I'm very protective of that. Which is good. I think everybody needs to take that time for themselves to be able to enjoy themselves, to live beyond what you do for a right. living. Because I think once those two merge, there's definitely like you're you have trouble figuring out where to divide you know um and you mentioned you mentioned matt and i i think matt has been a big part of i think my comfort level here on the team um he's really funny he's, he's easy to get along <laughs> he's with so goofy, yeah. and he's a really good dancer and I, he always makes me feel like really good about what i'm doing mm -hmm. because i don't know um, it's really hard i guess to appreciate uh breaking in a con in like a, a situation where it's mostly choreography Okay. And he, he's definitely been there before. And he's been, like you said, he's really active in the community. He's competed before. So he knows, he knows how to make me feel like I'm included and like what I'm doing is valuable for the team. Um, and I think you mentioned something really important where you said 
that you have to be your own best friend. You have to believe in yourself. You really, if you're not there for yourself, like there's nobody else there for you and you can't really, you can't really put 100% of your effort into something if you're not there. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think up to this point, that kind of also translates into like some sort of adversity, like being being alone, I guess, in this process would count as uh, a tough time and something that could be seen as a challenge. is there anything that has kind of obstructed you up to this point or anything that has been essential, essential for you to get to where you are now that was originally seen as like an obstacle? Um, I would say I can't, I mean, I can't continue without mentioning about a week before I branded as brick house. Like I said, we were candy shop dance trip before. And I realized that in order for me to get my business to where I wanted, I had to rebrand. I had to change the name. I had to bring on guys. I had to be more, um, you know, commercially friendly and just have like a name that was kind of more solid. Um, so about a week prior, I was, uh, someone that I used to train with, um, someone in the community had called me out on social media. Yeah as a plagiarizer and said that I was plagiarizing her work. Um, And that was a very tough time. I mean, I didn't sleep for 24 hours when that happened. And here I was about to launch a new brand, preparing to have a launch party. Um, You know, I had just cast it. I was about to have my first rehearsal the next day with some new team members and someone, um, pretty much punched me in the gut and it went kind of viral in the community. I think there was over a hundred engagements on it and people calling me out. Um, it wasn't true. You know, um, I completely do everything I do with honesty and integrity, but that situation was one of the biggest blessings that ever happened to me because in that time at at a perfect crucial turning point, I had to really understand that not everyone is going to be on board with what you do. And um, I, I, I'm kind of like, I don't know, I do Reiki healing and meditation and all these weird things, right? Yeah. I, I, I uh, practice Buddhist philosophy and all these other things, minimalism. So um, I was in a Reiki treatment, and it, I had this weird vision of putting this individual on a boat, and she was looking at me smiling. This is really weird. But she was looking at me smiling, and I – put everyone else on that boat with her that had chimed in or, you know, online bullied me or had some negative things to say. And they all were looking at me and I just sent them out to see mentally, visually. And I felt such peace. And I thought, if that's all this means, I'm okay with it. If all this means is that all these people are on a boat and they're going out to sea and they're not with me on the shore by my side, I'm okay. Um, and that kind of empowered me to continue on with this. And no matter what anyone has to say, um, I know that I'm doing everything with heartfelt intention. Um, I know that my work has integrity. And I know that I'll always be supported and there's always going to be people on the shore with me, like cheering me on and, and down for what I'm doing. So that has given me, that was a huge gift and it's given me like a lot of power in continuing this journey. And Facing my self-doubts. Yeah. I mean, I'm not a fan of boats, so I'll definitely be on the shore. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I think it's really good that you went there, that you um, addressed that situation, because I think everybody that's been an artist has that has that moment where it's like, okay, this is, this is big and it's a punch in the gut, you know? 
It's happened to me. Uh, Nico mentioned it previously on the podcast. If you haven't listened to it, listen to episode three with Nico Spins. Uh, he mentioned training for 50 hours than losing in the first round of a competition. It's like, wow. Like I, I, I was overconfident. Someone, I guess, knocked me down a peg. You know, how do I recover? Mm-hmm. And you recovered gracefully. You know, Brickhouse, that was right before the launch. And then since then, I think it's been two and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. Brickhouse has, has grown really big up to this point. Um, so we talked about, I guess, your lowest point before Brickhouse. Uh, talk about the most rewarding moment of being on as a, as a talent I, manager. What is your highlight most, of Brickhouse? The highlight is going to be putting you on a plane in two weeks to Boston. Ooh, that is yeah. so exciting for me. I wasn't sure if you'd bring it up, but okay, let's talk <laughs> about that. Yeah. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, there is a company out there and they're a consulting group and they do corporate event planning. We worked with them last year. They did a pharmaceutical conference and we performed for them at a private party at Club Omnia. And they were so thrilled with our performance that they said, you know, this is a traveling conference and next year it's in Boston. We'd love to have you. And I thought they were joking. But sure enough, in two weeks, there's 10 of you jumping on a plane with like an all expenses paid trip to Boston, you know, house on the water, everything. It's just, I'm so excited about that. I mean, for someone to say that we're worth it, um, and for you guys to have, for, for this company to give you guys a life experience of traveling cross country, you know, seeing another city, um, being on a stage in front of 2,500 people, doing, living your life, you know, having yeah. these, creating these memories together as a team and having a great time. I am just so excited. I, I want to do more of that for you guys. So I would say that is definitely the biggest, one of the biggest highlight and a, another milestone to legitimize what we're doing. I would agree, I would say, because I've never been flown out for anything dance related. So this is a first. This is, I think this will definitely leave an impression on my life, regardless of how we look at it in the context of Brickhouse. Um, and I, I mean, I, I think everyone on the team will appreciate that too. It's, it's a really crazy gig to, when you describe like that, it's like, wow, this is crazy. This is big. And um, I'm 100% sure that there's going to be more of that. I think I, I be, <laughs> I I'm so. a believer in Brickhouse. I'm all in. My chips are on the table. Oh, thank you so much. Um, and I think that that just goes to show like how much hard work and perseverance and I guess overcoming self-doubt can pay off. You know, right. um, you have been talking this whole entire time about being a business owner, about your challenges. Uh, what is one solid piece of advice that you would give someone that wants to do exactly what you do, that is thinking about starting their own company? I would say, and please, like, this is all it is, you guys, consistency. That's all it is. I mean, it's not all it is, but that is a huge part of it. It doesn't happen overnight. I mean, I live off this business now full time. I quit my day job. Um, and my goal is to hit 100000 in bookings this year. Um, that. Don't get me wrong. That's not personal profit. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's gross bookings. I mean, I, I would have never gotten to this point if I if I gave up at any point or if I said, oh, you know, it's been a year. I tried. It, it didn't work. Now, don't get me wrong. I mean, there's been a lot of other endeavors I've tried along the way that didn't land and I had to let go of. You know, I thought about bringing a weekly dance class out. I thought of mm, yeah. doing like a male review show, which is right, pretty yep. hilarious. I remember those two, yeah. <laughs> I mean, but I and I guess that's my second piece of advice. Fuck up. Make a mess. Yeah. You know, cringe at your work don't wait for it to be perfect get messy have courage get some balls you know just 
put something out there. It doesn't have to be perfect. Be prepared to be criticized. Have thick skin. Do it anyway. Um, be your own best friend. Be consistent. I mean, that's a lot of it. That is a huge chunk of it. Do you agree? No, I'm, I'm there with you. And I, th- <laughs> I feel if you want to be an artist, if you want to be a small business owner, if you want to be anyone that goes out on a limb to make something happen, you're going to, it's never just a, a walk in the park. You no know? way. No. You're going to stumble. You're going to trip. You're going to question whether you should even be walking in the park anyways. But if you stick to it, you will succeed. And for some people, it will take two years and they're going to grow. For some people, it'll take seven years, but they're right. still going to grow. Right. Everybody grows differently. And I mean, you mentioned all of, all of the uh, important points there. I think also, just to add on, I think not comparing yourself. I was going to just say that. Yeah, oh, totally. the same wavelength. Yes. Yeah, when you don't compare yourself and, and you kind of, you're just mindful mm-hmm. that there's other people out there succeeding, other people that might want to do the same thing that you do and they might find different types of success. It's important to just focus on what you're doing. Right. Believe and in abundance. Exactly. Definitely. Yes. There's enough for everybody. There are billions of people in this world. I don't compare myself to anyone else. Um, if you know me and you work with me, I don't talk smack or criticize anyone else's work or, or what they're pursuing because I don't feel threatened by anybody. And that's not from a sake, that's not from a place of ego or confidence. That's from a place of really truly believing in abundance and knowing that I'm in my lane doing what I'm what I'm meant to do um, and I will find abundance there and I don't need to compare myself to anyone and I don't need to feel threatened by anybody Um, so I really feel bad when um, when I see shade or hate thrown our way because I know those individuals are really struggling with believing in abundance or having you know not feeling good about themselves or, or comparing themselves to us and Everything that we do, I, I do in love, and it's none of it's meant to make anyone feel bad. So, you know, um, but yeah, comparison-itis, just be careful. Yeah. yeah. I mean, success is always subjective, and, and where there's haters, there will be supporters, and Definitely. vice versa, you know? Yeah. Um, before we go, this has been a great Aww. podcast up to this point. <laughs> this has been fun. Yeah, it's been, we went really deep into a lot of aspects of, of being a small business owner, and in your life in particular. Um, is there any plugs that you want to have here that you want to put for social media or personal account or whatever? Yeah, for sure. So um, my name is Jacqueline Colligan. My personal handle is at Jack, J-A-C underscore Colligan. And that's C-O-L-I-G-A-N. That's my Irish side. I'm Irish Filipino. Shout out to <laughs> all my Filipinos out there. Let's go. Um so, and then uh, Brickhouse is Brickhouse underscore dance. And it's just as it sounds. If you want to check out our website, meet some of our cast and keep up to date with our media, um, that's www.brickhousedanceproductions.com. And that's about it. That's pretty concise. It's pretty clean. Yeah. All right. To everybody out there listening, this has been a great podcast so far. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you for coming on. For yeah, sharing thanks your wisdom. for having me. Um, and uh, be sure to tune into all our previous episodes. We are now available on the Apple iTunes podcast app. If you just search up Break New Ground, we will be there and we will still be on SoundCloud. So if you prefer one over the other, now you have a choice. Uh, thank you so much for listening and tune in next month for two new features. All right. Peace.